My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. And welcome. I have got a guest with me today. Now, I think it was about 2013 when I rocked up to a consulting job in a place called Vision Security Group. And I was so excited about this job because it was about 20 minutes from where I lived rather than, you know, five, six hours, which most of my consulting roles were. So it meant that I got to go home every night. But I rocked into this place and there was just some really great people, kind of salt of the earth style people. And one of them was the wonderful Adrian Moore, who is my guest today. At Vision Security Group, he was the operations director and he's now the operations director for UK and Europe at Allied Universal. But he's so much more than just his job title. So I'm looking forward to seeing him again. I can see him on Zoom. I've not seen him for feels like about five years, although we do chat regularly here and there. So Adrian, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Angela. Great to see you again too. It's been such a long time. It really has. It seems like a, you know many, many years ago when we were doing training together and working together at VSG. Oh, you were so kind to me back then because I'd kind of rock up and have to do training about business transformation and lean and you would sit and you'd go through this training and you were so kind even though I could tell sometimes you were thinking oh god do I have to go through this but you were brilliant and gracious. I've never been a great person as a a delegate in a training environment really it's always been a bit of a I suppose a bit of a challenge for me really but it was totally something that was out of my comfort zone in what you were talking about and how you were delivering it so you know, I did take a lot away from it and it, it did help me. And I've used it again, in, even recently in you know, mobilizations of contracts and things. And I've spoken about how you do lean manufacturing and all that sort of stuff. So I, you definitely made an impression and I definitely took away some key areas. Oh, I'll take that, Adrian. Thank you. <laughs> and, and you know what? I'm looking at you now. People can't see you, but I am looking behind you and you have got a map of the world on the wall behind you. It's just kind of reminding me how small life is at the moment because we're in lockdown, aren't we? And can't travel anywhere. So when we ever get out of lockdown, I'm going to ask you this question first of all. Where's the first place that you want to go? Oh, well, I suppose time of year depends, but it would be skiing. So I was fortunate enough last year, my girlfriend works for a large defence business and they sponsor the army ski team. So oh, wow. I, yeah, going back 20 years ago, I was fortunate enough to ski with the military 
and I went back as the plus one last year and it was just, it was amazing. So depending on the time of year, it will be skiing. If not, then maybe further afield. I sort of, I do like the traveling and going to different places. So yeah, I can't wait for that time when we can, when we can all go back on holiday and, and explore oh, again. Absolutely. And are you a good skier? Well, sometimes I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I can hold my own. Is this how you broke your leg skiing? Because you broke your leg last year, if I remember. Well, my ankle, yeah. Actually, I think it was the year before, but yeah, no, I didn't know. Suddenly that was, uh, that was out running and I, yeah, I wasn't watching where I was going quite effectively enough. So yeah, I went over and broke my ankle, which was pretty frustrating. Oh, to say the least. You could have played that then. You could have given us this story of, you know, doing a James Bond down the ski slope and suddenly the legs broke. I can't believe it was two years ago. It feels like five minutes you told me that story that you were in plaster. Time yeah. was flying. So you know that this podcast is all about kind of mindset of leaders, but mindset of people, secrets of success and all of that. And I like to always start with what I call the shake your pom-poms moment. So this is about just being able to recognize all of the good that you do and have done and celebrate your own successes a bit. So if I was going to ask you about your three proudest moments, what would they be? Yeah, I had to really sort of think quite hard about this. It's not natural for me to come out and talk about things like this. So it was really quite challenging. But I think the first one would be, I left the job at VSG of 10 years I'd been there and I set off on a venture, which was to start up my own business with two former colleagues and very good friends, Keith and Sophie. And it ended up not happening. And I had six months gardening leave. And I thought that what am I going to do on this gardening leave while I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at home and things. So I set some goals that I wanted to achieve and what I wanted to do. And I think by actually continuing with them and focusing on what I wanted to achieve, then that was the key sort of area. So I did lots of mountaineering. I learned how to skipper a boat. I did life coaching uh, course. I did charity work. I supported local sort of businesses in different bits and pieces using some of the skills that I had. Um, and then obviously spent an awful lot of time with my children and with my family. So I actually took the garden leave as though it was a gift to really oh. further and, uh, and do lots of things. So I think that would certainly be one of the achievements. Stop um, there. Before you go on, we need yeah. to dig into this because this is brilliant. So you're leaving a job, you're looking at setting up a business, you've got six months gardening leave, which, you know, most people paint the house or whatever. You sat down. And created this list of goals, which is varied and huge, what I might call mad goals, mammoth and demanding. What was the mindset that led you to do that? I think it was just that I didn't want to waste the opportunity. How many people can say that they've got six months at home, they're still fortunate enough to be being paid and all the bills are still covered and things. And I just didn't want to waste the opportunity. So I just wrote out a list of all the things that I'd like to do. And I you know, I read some different magazines. I looked at what some of my friends had done and what they'd said that was great fun and had really helped them. And I just thought that there was such a wide variety of things that I could do. So I just wrote the list and then literally planned them out month by month what I was going to do. So every morning I was getting up knowing that I was either going to be driving to the Solent to go and do the, you know, the sailing or I would be going to the Lake District to, you know, where my parents are or my mum now and climb mountains or at home doing the life coaching and allocate specific time to actually do it and really sort of learn from it so that I could take it back to the business and be a more effective coach and mentor to my team, really. So, yeah, it was great fun. It really was. 
it's like making the most of every minute but it feels like there's a level of fulfillment there as well in that you're actually getting somewhere and getting something from it yeah massively i remember writing the sort of once i finished it and once i was due to going back to work writing the list out i was thinking gosh this has been a great use of time and it's like i almost felt like i was living my best life if that makes sense yeah (laughs) it's like bucket list stuff isn't it that you never get around to when you've got a full-time job yeah. But really inspirational for people that are on furlough at the moment, because, you know, certainly Martin was in this last year when he had a big period of time out of work when COVID hit. And that idea of what do you do to maximize the time and, and money might be a factor in that. But, you know, as you say, you did a life coaching course. I mean, how do you even think about doing that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just thought I wanted to make sure that when I go back to work, I want to actually do something different in terms of what I'd done previously in my roles and things and just go back with more experience and actually having learnt something during that time. So I thought the best way to do it is if I can do life coaching, I can support my team better, I can coach them more, I can mentor them more. Instead of it being the normal transactional security things or strategic roadmaps and things, I could actually really give something back. So that was the main driver of why I did that. Oh, I'm well impressed. And you know what? Don't be hiring Adrian over hiring me as your life coach. We've got this competition in the house. (laughs) It's really impressive and really inspiring. And you mentioned in there your two girls. So are they part of your proudest moments too? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I know that from listening to other podcasts and things that most people always say the children being born is one of the proudest moments. I think with Jess and Sophie, it's slightly different for me and I think being a single dad with two girls isn't an easy task. Jess was 11 and Sophie was eight at the time I think and it was a it was a transition from being an ops director of VSD running about 100 million pounds worth of business and then having the children half a week and the sort of reality struck in my head that actually I've now got to transition from work to actually the stability of my children and the main thing that I had was it was going to be the focus and the stability of them and the realization that I have no family within 300 miles of where I live so (laughs) it was um, it was organizing books ironing school uniform making lunches you know the drop-offs at school the pickups knowing that I had to be on the train to get into London or wherever it was at the same time and I think, to be honest, Angela, it's probably taken this chat for me to really realise how much that, you know, took up and how much of the planning that we had to do. And we did it together, the three of us as a team, and we planned out breakfast clubs, after-school clubs. I got the girls involved in my week in terms of what I was doing. So from an early age, they've been involved in my career. And, you know, it's definitely one of the most proudest things that I can say that I've done is with the girls and just involving them in my, you know, my work life. It's been good fun. I love that. And, you know, you talk about it in such a proud way, rightly so. But it's hard what you're describing. I remember when I first met Mr. Cox, he was in the same boat, single dad. And he would have the children from Friday afternoon until Monday morning. And they were little, like four and six, maybe. And I remember in our early days of dating, going into that environment for the weekend and being absolutely knackered by the end of the weekend because of the enormity of, like you say, getting the school uniforms ready, lunches, dinners, eating, you know, pat lunches. I was just like, what is this parenting all about? 
And he was doing that on his own and you were doing that on your own on top of this mammoth and demanding job. And then you've got just that, like, you've got to be in London by half nine. So you've got the school drop off to navigate and then you've got to get the train. And what if you miss the train? How does the stress of all of that manifest and how do you manage it? Yeah, I think the first thing was that even today, I'm still having the same days and it's not it's not all over the weekend, it's during the week. So I want to be part of the actual, what I'd probably call the more mundane parts of parenting as in homework, the school life and things, as opposed to having all the great enjoyment of the weekends and things of you know, what, what most people in this position, I suppose, do. So it was the fact that I wanted to have that stability of the, you know, with the girls and actually make sure that I was there to be able to help them and support them with the school life. In terms of the stresses and things, I think it's about the planning and how you do it and in embracing them and getting the girls involved in it as well. So, you know, I get phone calls, given that the job that I do is 24-7 in the security world, I would get phone calls throughout the evening and people would ring and I'd say a name of someone and one of the girls would say, you know, if it was you, Angela, it would be, I'd say, hi, Angela. And the girls would say, oh, is that Angela Cox? And then they would just like finish yeah. the surnames of the people who, who I was talking to. And then we'd have a conversation about what it was. So it was getting them involved, I think, in it. And they knew then that dad had to be up and had to be ready and out the door. So the girls were, were great with it. And they, you know, they still are today. I have the sort of the ritual around, there was a US admiral who did a presentation in a university about, and what he started off about making your bed. And basically he said that if you make your bed in the morning, you'll have accomplished a task first thing in the morning, which will set you up for the day. Yeah, it's it's great. It's really good. And I did exactly the same thing with the girls. So every morning they'll get up, make the bed, and they they don't realize the reasons why. They just think it's because you want to make it tidy. But it's the little bite-sized thing to say, actually, you've accomplished something first thing in the morning. And if nothing else, they come home and the bed's made and the bedroom's tidy. So it's not so much. Adrian, I've got to say, I just felt really warm when you were talking about the girls then and the way that you kind of bring them in and make it like, I'm thinking Timor in my head, (laughs) this idea that you're kind of like a triangle and, you know, it's the three of you against the world and you're nailing it. And those kind of small values that you're instilling in them and just like letting them know about business and stuff it's really going to set them up for success. So I, I think it's lovely. And I think it's great to hear a single dad's side of the story and just how, you know, successful it can be. So thanks for sharing that. It's brilliant. Should we do number three? Pom-pom yeah, number sure, three. yeah. What have you got there? I think the third one, it's a family one. So my dad, he ran a number of businesses in the hospitality world in the Lake District in terms of restaurants and things. And he became ill about a couple of years ago. And it was his livelihood for 30 years. And I, I started working for my dad when I was 11 years old in one of the restaurants in Windermere. And I remember looking around me at all the people that worked for him and listening to what they would say about my dad, the way he managed people, what he did, the, the sort of type of guy he was. And it made me sort of think about business from a young age. And then when he became ill and suddenly passed away last year, he asked me to look after three things, which was... You know, for, for your dad to say that, it was a fantastic and really, really proud moment. And the three things were my mum, my sister, and one of the businesses in terms of the, the restaurant, which are the last one that he had. And I thought to myself, I actually thought, 
I've got a job now that my oh. dad's given me and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And that's, you know, that's exactly what I tried to do and, and continue to do that now. So after this call, I've got what I set up on teams with my mum, my sister, the girls, and we have a, a sort of Friday afternoon catch up where we're all on, on video. And I know lots of families are doing it, but it's just something that I did just to keep us all going because we're all in different parts of the, of the UK and stuff. Mm. So it was something that, you know, I sort of promised my dad that's what I do. And it made me really proud to be able to take over his business that had made him a very successful businessman over the years. So, yeah, definitely my oh, third, wow. third moment. I mean, it's full that with so many different emotions because you've got the loss in there, which, you know, is it must be really difficult to lean into. But then the pride, as you say, that he recognises you as the successor of everything that he is and everything that he built. It's like one of those moments, isn't it, where you just realise you've made it. Yeah. You've got that seal of approval. Well, just to go back a little bit on that, I joined the army when I was... 17 and I remember getting the train from Windermere station and I was obviously going to Pirbright in Surrey at the time and getting the train and my mum and dad were both on the platform you know crying and upset because this young lad has gone off to the army and I thought to myself when I was going is my dad disappointed in me because I haven't gone into the family business yes and I thought I'm going to prove to him so much that this was the right thing to do and you know the things that I'd learned from working in the restaurant from such a young age I was going to put into practice in the army and it just sort of made me, you know, made me think that I'm actually so determined to make this work. That's where it sort of started and set me up from really. And those values, you know, the values that your dad has, I see those in you. You know, I saw those in you in VSG and your ability to connect with people and that you actually care. So the business drivers are clearly important to you, but the people that work within the business are the most important. And that's the same in the hospitality industry. It's interesting you say all this because I lived in Windermere for quite a while. So I reckon I've probably eaten in this restaurant that you're describing. So I used to live and work in a place called the Lowood Hotel, you know, the big white one. I know it very well. I know it very well. It's had a yes. good refurbishment lately. It's, it's a lovely place. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, place. I lived there for a while. So what's the restaurant called? Let's give it a... Well, it was at the time, it was Sutherland's, the Spinnery and the Castle Dairy. I've been in the spinnery. Right, there you go then, there you go. But they've all changed over now. And yeah, we're leasing one of them out to a great guy who's got a number of other restaurants and bars and things in the lakes. A great friend, Colin, and he's doing a great job. Obviously, it's really tough for them in this world at the moment, really tough. But we catch up now and again, and and yeah, they're making a success. And how do you cope being so far away from your mum? I think because I've always been away since sort of like 16, 17, I think it's the phone calls. And I did go through a stage when, you know, I'm now a man, I'm in the army, so I'm going to ring my mum once a week on a Sunday. <laughs> do you know what? That wasn't really me. It just wasn't. And you know, all the other guys who were a lot older than me and, you know, in the army, it was that, was that was the done thing and that's what you did. But it wasn't really me. So I remember getting my first mobile phone when I was in the army and actually thinking, that's it, I can ring now all the time my mum and she'd send me little parcels of you know homemade cakes and this sort of stuff oh. and I'd dish them out to the guys in the army and stuff it was it, it was good but yeah I think now so I'm used to it I would say is uh is probably the first point I do get up there as much as I can the lakes is a lovely place I'll always call it home I like the mountains and walking and things it's a great sense of achievement doing that but 
I try and travel up there as much as I can. And do you have a stotty when you're there? A stotty shop? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, absolutely do. They're like a heart attack in a bar, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh dear, you're taking me back now, like two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, oh, having yeah. been to that little nightclub on the Bowness Water and then Stotty <laughs> Shop. And, oh God, no wonder I was massive when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, in what you've just described, there's adversity through loss, but I like to talk to guests about adversity and how that's kind of shaped who you are and, and how you show up. So, you know, you mentioned the business earlier that you were looking to do. It might be that, but it might be other experiences that you've had where adversity has kind of come into play and, you, and it's made you stronger. Yeah. One of the key things was, or the biggest point where I had lessons learned, I think would be around a contract that VSG won. It was the biggest contract in the business. It was 20% of the whole turnover. And they were merging a number of different businesses into one, let's call it a super brand in terms of the contracts. And the, co- the security contracts were split across three different businesses. And I was employed to basically head that up as the account director at the time. We had about a thousand employees throughout the whole of the UK and Ireland. And the contract really sort of changed. We really changed it. And I threw absolutely everything I had into that contract. And it was about people and about how we could do things differently. We, we created things that everyday heroes and pride awards, all these sort of things across the contract. And I absolutely loved the challenge. We had a great team, you know, a great ethos and a fantastic client, which I really enjoyed working with. And I remember getting a phone call one evening from who was my main point of contact at the time. We just won a series of security industry awards and things, you know, life was going really well. The job was going great. It was a huge success and everything was just falling into place. And I got a phone call from the client and he was almost, you know, talking like a little bit quiet and I knew something wasn't quite right. And he basically had to tell me that the contract was going to an IFM, so an integrated facilities contract, and that VSG were only security and therefore that we were were going to lose the contract. And this was huge in terms of the revenue in the business, the work that we'd done over the 18 months, and everyone was really having fun and enjoying Mm. it. And I remember driving that evening, driving home, and I didn't know what to think at the time, other than I've got to tell my team, who we've just created this great bond, we're seen as you know delivering a great service, that actually we've lost the contract. And I was almost, I was feeling a bit you know a bit emotional about it at the time, and I thought I need to have a word with myself here, pull myself together, get my head in the right place to go and tell my team that actually it's not because of the service, it's not because of anything they have done. This is a, a business-wide decision. And it's some of the things, it's what I want to talk about, the, the sort of controllables that you can control and how you manage them, and the things when sometimes in life, actually there are uncontrollables, and sometimes those are the things that really stretch you, you know, stretch your mindset, stretch your attitude to what you, you know, how you, how you operate in life. And I, I remember getting everyone onto a conference call and telling them, and there was just... It wasn't teams then, so you can't see people's reactions, but there was just complete dead silence. And then after it, people were ringing me, ringing me on you know, uh, one and texting, just sort of saying, how can this, have happened? How can this yeah. have happened? Yeah. And then it was then telling the rest of the business and how I was going to almost get the bounce back ability factor. And I, <laughs> I really sort of, I thought that 
the exit of that contract needs to be just as professional as what we did when we went in. It wasn't, oh, wow. the, it wasn't the people on the ground's fault and it wasn't the client that I dealt with. It was no one's fault. It was just a business, you know, it was a business decision much further up the food chain, so to speak. So it was about making sure that everyone was on point and really exited that contract in the best possible way, making sure that all the, the frontline people that were going to TP across were all in a good place and were all okay with it. And yeah, it really made me think about actually, you know, you, you, yes, you win big, you lose big, but it really made me think about how you look after people in that sort of scenario and things. And it was, it was tough. It was definitely a tough time. And what I'm hearing in there is there's the, the impact on you. I actually saw the look of bewilderment in your face as you reflected on driving along and you almost created the same state and the emotional impact that that had on you. But then realizing you've got to feel that, but move it aside so you can be there to lead your people. And even though that journey is tough, actually, as you say, it's about doing the right things in the right way. And that's the values piece again coming through. I'm sure it's a military thing as well. You know, that always, no matter what the adversity, we do it in the right way. And this is why you're brilliant in the ops roles that you take on because you do put people first. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been seen to be at times a bit of a taskmaster in a closed book, but actually no. it's not true. It's Never. <laughs> but it's not true and it does take... It, you know, it takes quite a lot of strength and my own attitude and character to talk about things like yeah. this. I do sort of keep them closed, but actually, you know, I, I would wear my heart on my sleeve. And I remember that day talking to everyone and I really had to dig deep not to, you know, not to unrest them and keep my own motivation and morale in the right place for the team. And then go, yes. I was on my own, have my own time to think of what's happened here, really. Yeah. And you know, you're never going to be closed with me because... I'm not going to let that happen, Adrian. <laughs> so there's something else on my mind that I thought it might be worth us just talking about. And this is, I remember sort of late last year, you texting me and saying that you'd lost a colleague and it's somebody that I work with in the past as well. So Paul, and it's kind of unexpected really. And I wondered how that had impacted you and, and what you've taken from that. And, you know, what you've learned, I suppose. Yeah, Paul was a great friend. We worked together for a long time. It was also on the back, you know, sort of six weeks after my dad had died. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was a tough time. And I, I remember when Keith rang me on the Saturday afternoon to, to say about Paul, and I automatically went into the mode of back to the VSG guys, the people that worked with Paul for a long time and the respect that everyone had for yeah. Paul. And it was almost a case of, I need to try and be here to support other people as well. And of course, there's lots of other, other people within the team and, and that are still there today that did a great job and would always try and support everybody else. But yeah, huge shock. Yeah, not a great time. I didn't know Kath that well, his wife, but I rang her. I sent her some flowers on the Sunday and you know, we've had a chat since and, and some text messages and things along the way. But yeah, it does make you think it really does. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a real, real tragic thing to happen. He just started a new job. He was in a really good place. We'd spoken to each other about a week prior. So yeah, just a, an awful situation. And I, I just hope he's, he's resting peacefully. Yeah, he definitely will be, I'm sure. And, and you and he were so connected in VSG. You were like, it's almost like two sides of the same coin, you know, and like 
he would compliment the things that you didn't have and vice versa. So I always saw you as quite connected. But that essence of, I guess, you know, when you when you hear news like that, it's it's back to your point earlier about treating time as a gift. You know, and we're in this COVID environment now that is taking life left, right and centre. So actually just making the most of what we have while we're here. But it certainly had that impact on me when you sent me that text. Yeah, definitely. And the garden and leave things and, you know, what you yeah. what I, and those sort of things, I would, you know, I definitely would recommend that to anybody if they get the opportunity or even if it's not a garden and leave scenario just jot down some things that you really want to to do i'm not really a, a resolution sort of guy if i want to do something i'll write it down and i'll do it it doesn't matter if it's january or october i'll sort of think and look at something and i'll go and do it and i'll put everything into it i've always yeah. I've wanted to do something then i'll put everything into it and not do it on a sort of half-hearted way so yeah i definitely would recommend and don't you know don't look at the the boundaries and the reasons why you can't just think you can do it and whatever it is that people want to do whether it's something as i say that a friend's done before or you see on tv anything and look at the reasons why you can do it and what you're going to get out of it oh, there's a nugget look at the reasons why you can do it because most of us are programmed to look at why we can't and to see those barriers and then let fear get in the way of that and and you're almost saying the flip side focus on why you can and, yeah, and sure. have that belief in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wise words. Anyone would think you'd done a life coaching course, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love talking to you. It's brilliant. It's been too long. You know, we talk on WhatsApp occasionally, but it's not quite the same, is it, as having a conversation like this. Now, I've got the, the game to play with you. So we're going to play the five second rule game. So I'm going to ask you for three answers to one question and you've got five seconds to give me the answers so there's no preparation for this it's kind of off off the hoof so adrian in the five second game rule can you give me three things that you do to put a smile on your face be around people that i love get out in the fresh air and exercise and seeing other people happy Oh, nice. I love that. And I actually thought when you started that first sentence that you were going to say beer, <laughs> but it was beer around people that you love. <laughs> you know, beer is probably valid, isn't that? In that it is scenario. in the moment, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well done. You, you did well there, almost in the five seconds. And killer question now. Are you ready for this one? Yeah. You know I what's coming because I... you listen. I know you do. So. In your view, based on your experience, what's the ultimate secret to success? The ultimate secret to success. I think don't try and be great. Be consistent in everything that you do. Love that. Yeah, I think consistency, reliability to your team, to your family, to your friends, to your work, to your clients. If you're reliable, they trust you. And yeah, I think be consistent and reliable in everything that you do. Oh, that is so cool because, you know, don't just try and be great because what happens is people try and do that and they go over and above the threshold and it's not sustainable. And then they find themselves back at the bottom again. And then they muster the courage to be great again, but again, go too far and end up falling down. So what you're saying is just be level, but do it all the time. Yeah. Just be consistently level. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, then. Things will, brilliant. 
things will fall into place and your team will run the same way. They'll be reliable to the clients and you'll be delivering a good service because it's consistently good. And your girls will, your children. Yeah, I'd certainly, absolutely hope so. Yeah, for sure. Oh, brilliant. So I'm taking from that, I love the consistency point. I'm taking this life is a gift piece that you mentioned around the gardening leave. And then this idea of focusing on what you can do. They're kind of, for me, the three nuggets of today wrapped around loads of heartfelt stories that it's been really kind of you to share. So, you know, yeah, it's not you. It's not an easy thing. <laughs> no, not. it's not. I mean, you texted me yesterday and you were like, oh my God. <laughs> and everybody does that, you know, because they know they're coming on talking to me and that I, I do like to kind of dig a little bit under the skin. But you've been really honest and open and, and that's what helps people, you know, more than sort of saying how to be a good leader or whatever. When we get under the skin, that's how people can connect. So thank you for doing that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great to talk to you. And no doubt we'll do this again in about two years' time. And I, you know, dread to think what you'll have done by then. If if your gardening leave list is what that was. Oh well, gosh. don't dread it. Don't, don't dread You're it. You're like don't a machine. <laughs> I definitely will. I definitely will. It's been a joy. Thank you ever so much for talking to me and take good care. Great stuff. Thank you very much indeed. You too. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.